Here's what you get on today's episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. It's not about willpower. It's about, you know, when we do have motivation, which sometimes we do, but motivation goes up and down. And so when we do have that motivation, that's when we can actually set ourselves up for success in the future. You know, whether it's creating physical systems in our lives or it's creating, you know, goals and thinking of the obstacles that might arise so that we can plan around those things and everything. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we can actually set up when we do have the motivation. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Hello. Welcome. I am Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I'm an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington, serving information entrepreneurs around the world. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. Today, I am so excited to have my friend Hadley Garrison on. Hadley, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. This is going to be such a great and timely conversation. I know before we we went live, I was talking about like, oh my gosh, I personally need this conversation. And I know that in the midst of COVID, so many other people do as well. Um, So let's get you introduced. For folks that don't know Hadley, Hadley Garrison is a wellness coach and founder of Happy Healthy with Hadley. She helps her clients feel better in their bodies, have more energy on a day-to-day basis, gain more confidence, cultivate a better relationship with food, and become less stressed and more joyful in their day-to-day lives. She graduated from the University of Michigan with a Bachelor of Science in Biopsychology, Cognition, and Neuroscience, and a Master's in Public Health in Health Behavior and Health Education. Her research on the intersection of health behaviors, habit change, science, body image, and food during her MPH informed the program she later created to empower individuals to take control of their own habits, behaviors, and relationships with their bodies, food, and themselves. Her online program called Happy Healthy Habits combines the concepts of behavioral science, habits for optimal health, and group dynamics to help her clients make lasting, influential changes in their lives. Hadley, Man, I feel like there's so much we could talk about right now, but I, <laughs> I first of all, really love the emphasis on habit change, right? Behavioral change, behavioral science, because as much as most of us, if not all of us want to make positive change in our lives, sometimes, you know, it feels beyond us. Like sometimes I think there are things that we just don't understand about what behavioral change really looks like. And if we miss the boat, then we just are not equipped to make the changes that we want to make. So I'm super excited to have this conversation because I feel like we all can use more information rather than less when it comes to behavioral change and creating healthy habits. Totally. Yes. I, 
you know, especially around this time of year when it's like the new year resolutions, like I'm going to change my life. <laughs> That's one of the reasons that I'm not a huge fan of resolutions because it, it kind of creates this, like, I have to change everything right now. And, you know, we wait for that, that arbitrary date and everything, but I am a big fan of goal setting and changing our habits and all of that kind of thing. So I do think it's a really important topic and, it's not something that like habit change is not something that a lot of people are talking about more, more and more recently, but usually it's just like, do this diet, do yes. this exercise plan, do set new goals. Here's how you goal set. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yes. And the, the behavior change piece is what's missing. The creating the systems to actually achieve those goals, you know, like smart goals are great, but there's something missing still. It's we still have to get those little teeny tiny micro habits in there in order to achieve the goals that we then that we're setting for ourselves. So it's hugely important. Yes. Well, and I remember it was a few years ago now. I picked up the book Changeology, right? Which is mm. five steps. Have you read it? Is it is I that something not. that's familiar for you? So Changeology, mm. it's um it's a book that, and let me see what the subtitle is, Five Steps to Realizing Your Goals. But it talks about how people get behavioral change wrong, right? And it, it, it basically breaks down behavior change into different phases. Like there's something that happens before you make a decision to actually change, right? And then you've got this activation energy, but that's a different phase than once you get started and you're actually climbing that hill. And that's still a different phase than maintenance, maintaining that habit over the long, like, and I remember it just being so helpful to understand behavioral change in that way, even from a timeline perspective. And one of the things that really stood out to me in that book is how often we will start trying to make a behavior change when we're actually in the wrong phase. Like we're not, ah, we're not yes. ready yet for the change. We haven't <laughs> set ourselves up for success, which almost guarantees that we're going to fail. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's so many ways that we can actually set ourselves up for success. And most people are not doing those things. <laughs> um, there are some awesome books out there on habit change for sure. One of my favorites is uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. That one's like pretty popular right now. He's kind of popularizing habit, <laughs> habit change and behavior <laughs> change. Um, and I've heard but, of that one. I haven't picked yeah, it up and read it yet. <laughs> yeah, that one's really good. Um, you know, there are, there are many out there. Um, but basically we need to not be relying on motivation. And that's what most people in, especially the health and wellness industry are peddling. They're like, and, and when you say motivation, motivated. yes. Is this, <laughs> is this also relate to or overlap with like willpower? Because yes. People often end up just thinking like, oh, I don't have enough willpower to do this. Yes. Yes. I talked to so many people who are like, I am not like, I don't have enough discipline. Yes. I'm just, I don't have enough willpower. I'm weak. I, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, that's not true. You're a human. It's not, you know, it's not about willpower. It's about, you know, when we do have motivation, which sometimes we do, but motivation goes up and down. And so when we do have that motivation, that's when we can actually set ourselves up for success in the future, you know, whether it's creating physical systems in our lives or it's mm -hmm. creating, you know, 
goals and thinking of the obstacles that might arise so that we can plan around those things and everything. You know, there's a lot of different ways which we can go into as well that we can actually set up when we do have the motivation and because we won't. Well, <laughs> we can, that's so, the, the most obvious example. <laughs> that's right. And the most obvious example when you say that, like the number, I can't even count, especially during COVID, because I feel like COVID at our house has been like one big long experiment in chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I have two children, one who's three and one who's eight. And, you know, we've got some special needs going on. And it's just, there's always a lot. And mm-hmm. meal planning around yeah. here, right? If I don't do it, if I don't plan ahead for the week, if I don't do my grocery shopping, you know, with with the meals in mind that I, like, it doesn't happen. We end mm-hmm. up throwing food out. I end up just not eating and like, I'll drink coffee all day. Like, the, you know, your environment will influence what actually ends up happening if you haven't set up the structure and the support to carry you through those times when your motivation drops or it is chaos or there's unexpected things happening in your schedule, which (laughs) I'm laughing because I showed up 15 minutes late to this interview, right? So like every day I feel like, again, you know, and if I, I'm still, you know, and the, the reality is like, I punish myself so hard, even though I know this, I'm not always able to implement it. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is, I'm just fascinated by what it really truly takes to achieve behavioral change. Mm -hmm. Well, and so the really important thing about, especially behavior change, health changes, Mm -hmm. I heard you say that you, you, I don't know what, what exactly you just said, but like you, you're beating yourself up because you're like, I know what I need to do, but I'm not doing it. And that's so common. And that's like how I always was. I knew, I knew all of the things I knew how, like what kinds of things I needed to be doing for health. Like I was really into uh, health and wellness as a high schooler and then into college and everything, but I was not living (laughs) the things that I knew that I, I actually knew that I needed to do. And the reason for that is because I didn't have these behavior change um, methods, but then also because I was beating myself up so much, that was counterproductive to my, uh, to actually creating the habits that I needed to create. And so a lot of times that self-criticism research has shown now that self-compassion is actually the most effective way to make any sort of change in our lives, which is huge. Like ding, ding, ding. I know. I'm like, can you please repeat that for myself and for anybody listening? (laughs) It sounds like I've got some work to do on self-compassion because you're right. I've all, I mean, you know, and I think a lot of us are, especially for high performers in certain areas of our life, like it's really easy to be self-critical when we're not measuring up in other areas. Yes. Okay. So this is like the exact avatar, the exact client that I work with is someone who's super high achieving, knows how to succeed in, you know, like as an entrepreneur or (laughs) in business or whatever. But when it comes to themselves and their own health, or maybe they're really high achieving with their family and they always put their family first, you know, I help people who are really high achieving, but who tend to be super self-critical to be able to start to feel the way that they want to feel in their bodies and improve that self-compassion and that self-confidence and all of that kind of thing so that they can actually 
you know, be living the life that they want to live, essentially. And mm-hmm. in, in, of course, you know, be more productive in their job, have more uh, mental clarity, be more efficient, procrastinate less, all of those things. <laughs> right. It all so, goes together. So I'm curious, because mm-hmm. I know we just jumped right into habit change. But talk to us about how you got interested in this field to begin with. Mm, yes. So, uh, like I said, I was always very health conscious. My whole mm-hmm. family was really into health and they were like eating organic before it was like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thought I was like really weird in my, in my hometown being from a small town in West Michigan. It was like, what's organic? Like you're, eating Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> just, just recently I was joking with my sister and like, we did not have unintelligent parents. And yet when I look back on what we ate in Mm -hmm. our childhood, like my dad was a veterinarian. There's part of me that's like, he should have known better, you know? (laughs) And, and yet like we didn't eat a vegetable unless it came out of a can. I mean, it was so bad, so bad. And it's not like we ever starve, but when I look at our childhood nutrition, oh my gosh, I, (laughs) Well, right. And, and so that's the case for so many people like in, in our country and, you know, um, basically like people are eating enough food, but they're not getting enough nutrients Nutrients. from that food. So like the, the, they're having enough calories. Um, not that I am into calorie counting or anything like that, but they're having enough calories to survive, but they're not getting the nutrients that they actually need to have long-term health and to have mental clarity. Well, and and then when you layer on, because, you know, and so much of what my sisters and I have even learned in our adult life, I know began in childhood, right? So we're all gluten intolerant. We're all dairy intolerant. Like I'm sure that we have probably had leaky gut for years without even knowing what it was. And so you layer like not only not getting enough nutrients to begin with, but then what you are eating is causing inflammation. And so even the nutrients that you are getting, you're not absorbing. Like there, you know, it's it's really there's so much. There. There's so yes. much. And looking back and piecing together the puzzle, it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, for people that can't see me, it's like palm to the forehead, right? Yes. And, and then when you understand and start to really get what it takes to be nutritious and to eat a really wholesome, yeah, eat in a wholesome way, <laughs> then you understand in some ways how high that bar is, right? But it's, it's one of the things that I feel like as much as we know, like we can always do better, Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's kind of what got me started in all of this. When I was a sophomore in high school, my, my whole family basically became vegetarian because we were like, okay, like, you know, meat is killing us. <laughs> and so we need to, whatever. I don't believe that meat is killing us, but the type, the, the quality of meat that we were having was, you know, not not great. Oh my gosh, you're talking to somebody who literally, <laughs> you know, like a treat in our house were those little Vienna sausages. Do you even know what a Vienna oh. sausage is? So bad. It's like spam or whatever, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I remember like we would pull those out of the cans and it, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that was kind of like, and I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. People will become vegan or vegetarian or whatever. And that would be kind of their start in mm-hmm. the health journey. Mm -hmm. which, you know, nothing wrong with that. However, when 
when I started, you know, being becoming very health conscious, I was also becoming very body conscious at the same time as in high school. And I was not like rail thin, though I was absolutely not overweight <laughs> at mm -hmm. all. Um, but you know, I, I, I had a sister who was very thin. Everyone in my family is way taller than me. <laughs> so, you know, I had these, yeah, I had a different body from mm -hmm. people in my family and some of my friends and stuff. And so I started to pair like my health with how my body looked yeah. as, as I would, argue almost every single person in our society does right and, and certainly most women that I know yes right? exactly certainly most women just yeah. based on societal messaging the way that values are deeply embedded within yeah. certain families like all of it totally yes and so that was that was something that was a real struggle for me, especially with the, if you think about the self-compassion piece, like there was no, it was all very self-critical. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily trying to be, it, it sort of was trying to be as healthy as I could, but really so that I could look the way that I wanted to right, look. Right. Right. And so when I went into college, it was, it was the same way. And I started to do some research in my grad program um, at, at U of M in my uh, master's of public health. And, you know, we, I started to research a little bit about like disordered eating and eating disorders in general and stuff. And I was talking to a lot of people about this and I realized that while not everyone has a full-blown eating disorder, almost every woman I had ever talked to had a really, really weird relationship with food, if not a totally dysfunctional relationship yes. with food. And, yes. you know, the restriction and binge or, you know, forgetting to eat all day and then eating everything in sight. And, um, you know, and there are so many different patterns that we have that are dysfunctional around food. Mm. And so that became that became something that I was really, really passionate about, even though before that I had been passionate about the nutrients that we need to be getting mm -hmm. and that we're not getting and, you know, food access and things like that, or r rather nutri nutrient access. Right. Um, but then I paired that kind of with this, you know, re rejecting diet culture essentially. And something that was really frustrating for me during that time was that it was either you know, super, super health focused. And, you know, like I'm going to eat all of the clean foods. I'm never going to eat anything quote unquote bad, all of these things. Or it was like, um, body positivity, which is great, but it was like not actually focused on health on health. Um, that's right. And so, so I was like, how can we actually bring these things together so that we can feel the way that we want to feel in our bodies mm -hmm. and be healthy? Um, but still, you know, feel good about ourselves and our bodies and not be beating ourselves up all the time and everything. And I you found know, I, that they actually go together. <laughs> <laughs> right. Da -ding. Well, and the thing that's so interesting about that is like, of course they go together. And yet if you've lived in modern society, you know how much, at least I can say in my own personal experience as a female like you in a family where I was like, Hmm, one of these does not look like the other. You know, I had like mm -hmm. real thin sisters mm -hmm. and parents who placed a very, very high value on being extraordinarily thin. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, there are some things that we certainly inherit, but I think also just society 
in general really rewards like disassociating from your body, totally. right? Everything yes. that it teaches, like even from a young age about, you know, oh, there's not enough food to go around, eat everything on your plate. Like it mm -hmm. really, like there's so many ways that we are taught to disassociate from the way that we feel and from intuitive eating and from really tuning into our bodies rather than just turning off that connection. I am so glad you brought that up because that's a huge part of what I help my clients do. And it's something that I was totally disassociated from my body. Even as a young kid, I remember, I remember reading books and having them talk about like, you know, people could sense things like with their body, it, it like, you know, the hair on the back of their neck would stand up all that kind of thing. And I was like, Oh, that must just be like a literary device. It's not <laughs> a real thing. <laughs> and, you know, little did I know that our bodies could actually tell us things and we could actually listen to them. And we didn't have to just have our mind control everything about our bodies. And so when I started learning, um, and actually I started learning about, um, Ayurveda, which is, uh, the sister science to yoga and it's an ancient Indian health system. And they're all about, you know, that mind, body, even spirit connection. Mm. And I was like, this makes so much more sense. <laughs> yes. This integrated so. approach to how we mm. actually are meant to live and enjoy exactly. ourselves and enjoy this physical experience. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And it brings it into, you know, it's so much more holistic, not even just like holistic for our physiology, but it is, it's, it's, it's about experiencing our lives in a way that we want to experience them and, you know, reacting in a way that is, um, that makes it more positive and, and just being able to kind of go through life without so much stress and turmoil and drama even. <laughs> so one of the habits that I coach my clients in is actually called easeful living. And that's separate from meditation or mindfulness or anything else. I, one of the habits is also mindfulness, sitting in silence is what I call it. But easeful living is is incredibly important because if we can actually like lean back into the support of our physiology and the habits that we're implementing and the automation of the habits that we're imp implementing, then life becomes so much easier <laughs> and we become mm. so much more resilient. So. Well, and I love this, you know, because one of the things that I'm thinking is that I think we tend to so often, and I think certain personalities are more prone to this than others, mm -hmm. but we tend to um, segregate areas of our life. Like, how am I doing measuring up as a mom? How am I doing, you know, measuring up in my business? How am I doing measuring up as a partner? How am I doing in the health and fitness, you know? And so rather than looking at it as this integrated whole, and I really love the concept of, you know, teaching and educating people around nutrition, health, mind-body connection as a way, especially for people who are highly motivated in other areas of their life, <laughs> as a way to connect those together, right? And understand, obviously, even though we recognize it, we don't always live it, that health is underlying all of those things and our ability to show up with joy and ease in different areas of our life. 
Totally. I, I remember I had, there was like an application that I wrote in, in high school and it was like, what's the most important factor for, you know, um, like social well-being or something like that. And I was like, oh, it's health, you know, like health has to, has to underlie all of that. So I wrote an, ent- an entire essay on that. And yeah, it's, it's so incredibly important to, to bring those things together. And I think that a lot of the health and wellness industry is missing, missing mm-hmm. a large component of what health actually is. And, and that is self-compassion and actually feeling really good rather than having it be like no pain, no gain, push, push, push. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that we have to push nearly as much as we do. I, I do believe in, you know, full engagement and then full recovery for sure, because I think that builds resilience, but you know, we don't need to be, especially women, um, don't need to be doing the same exact workout in the gym every single day or following eating the same foods every single day, um, or anything like that. We need different variety. And I, I'm speaking of exercise and food because that's the most common thing, but I focus on a lot more than that because it, because it helps like other habits actually help with our relationship with food and exercise and all of that. Um, and so, so yeah, so I think that we have it backwards in our society and a lot of that has to do with like, you know, the industry making money, right? Like they have to convince you that you aren't, you know, worthy or whatever. And if you follow this diet, then you will be, um, in order for them to make money and keep making money. So, you know, that's a huge piece of the puzzle for sure. Well, and I think there's a part of this, you know, short term fix to a long term problem, if you will, right? And whether you call it a problem or a long term, whatever, like, the reality is we have to live with ourselves our whole lives. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing that is a short term fix to underlying, you know, um, issues with the way that we prioritize ourselves or prioritize Mm -hmm. health. And so joining a 12 week program is not going to change your life if you don't fix the underlying issues. And so what you're speaking about this issue of self-compassion and like so much of the really probably mindset around how we address this is missing because like you said, it's it's an industry that's heavily monetized on, first of all, convincing people that there's something wrong with them, but also addressing a long-term issue with a short ter- short-term fix. Exactly. And then having repeat customers because they know that they're not actually going to fix it, right? With the 12-week thing or the 10-week or 30 days or whatever, whatever well, it is. Even, even with exercise and you look at the way, you know, metabolisms adjust, if you will, like there, there isn't a reason that it should always be the same solution, right? So mm. I think it's really important, this concept of, you know, being flexible, not only with your diet and your eating and seasonally and understanding it doesn't have to be the same routine day in and day out. And it and shouldn't be. And yeah. it shouldn't be. <laughs> Yes. And I think people often want like, what is that one solution that's going to make all of this easier? And I just don't think that there is one. And that's what my, my mental patterns used to be totally. It was like, if I can just follow this diet, like if I can just follow like vegan, or if I could just follow this, 
if I can just not eat these things, like then everything will be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it's like that missing piece to the puzzle. Like there's yeah, one piece. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like listening to podcasts and reading books and, you know, listening to all these different things that I was like, just, but just tell me the answer. What's the answer? You know, like, especially for people who are really driven who are just like, I followed this thing and that led me to success. So here. So impatient. Like, can I follow something here? And so, so that, that's what I do with my clients a lot is I work with all of my clients for at least a year because it is, you know, incredibly important. And the, the hope and the goal is that by the end of that year, they'll have the tools to be able to take it out into the, into the world. And that's happened for, um, for all of my clients who have, who have left though. I still have some clients who have stuck around cause they love the community. Um, but basically I help people. I don't just tell them, okay, you know, you're experiencing this. Okay. Do this. You know, I, I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian and I, there's absolutely a place for nutritionists and dietitians. Um, but I help people really start to notice what's happening in their bodies when they don't get enough sleep or when they meditate or when they are, um, you know, eat, eat a certain food or eat too much of a certain food or too little, you know, whatever it is. And just start to get really curious. Curiosity is the game here. Start to get really, really curious about, okay, you know, how do I feel right now? And what actually led me to this point? And that's so much more valuable than just telling people what to do because then they don't have the skills after the fact to be able to discern that for themselves. Yeah. Well, and that piece that you just talked about, I think is so huge because we're in a society where I think so many people look outside themselves for the solution and like nobody knows your every day, your eating habits, your sleep, like when it comes to your health, like nobody knows more about your picture than you do. And yet we're often, I think, taught to really rely on experts and doctors and somebody else to tell us what's going on. And I remember right out of law school, I had had a series of just really crazy events that happened back to back to back. And they were all very, very high stress events. And it, I had a basically like a stress induced round of hypoglycemia where my blood sugar was dropping really, really fast. I would get these really terrible headaches. I had for a short time, like I had a series of panic attacks. They were all related, but it led into a year of poor health of like feeling really, really badly in my body. And it was all stress related. And I couldn't, I didn't recognize that I could fix this with nutrition, right? It was the stress induced round of like hypoglycemia. I just wasn't eating enough. You know, Mm. I would, and what I was eating wasn't, wasn't helping the problem. And so I just had these cyclic headaches and like Mm -hmm. body tremors and things that literally lasted for a year. And my doctors couldn't figure it out. Like regular medicine could not figure out. They were telling me I needed a spinal tap and a brain MRI and, you know, thought maybe I had MS and like, it was just crazy town. It was so crazy. Mm -hmm. And I went to a natural, I threw in the towel on traditional medicine. I was like, I am done (laughs) 
with that. Like that is not working and I'm not getting a spinal tap. <laughs> and I, that was the last straw. <laughs> and so I went, I found a natural path and I went to, but I had been keeping a journal. Like this is the part about going inward is that somewhere in that year of hell, I thought, you know what? Nobody knows more about what's going on than I do. I should probably start observing it. Mm. And so I started this journal. And actually, my sister, who's having some health issues right now, I looked it up the other day. It's called the Health Minder. Health Minder or Body Minder? There's a set of journals that are brilliantly done if you have a health issue that you're tracking. I mean, you track weather, you track sleep habits. It has a space for everything. You track like it has an image of a human body so you can track like symptoms and, you know, anything that you're feeling on a daily basis. You track your supplements and that way you can start to observe any patterns or associations that might be arising because of your habits, because Mm -hmm. of either what you're putting in your body or what you're doing. And so I did that for an extended period of time. And then by the time I got to my naturopath, like I literally just handed over this journal, like here's everything, you know? And so he, he, I was so relieved in our first meeting, he said, you're young, you're healthy. There's a very simple explanation for this and we're going to figure it out, you know? And that was the first time in a year I'd heard somebody say that. And guess what he started with? Just a full blood work, my full panel of blood work, just looking at the basics. And he studied my journal for a few weeks and we scheduled a follow-up and he came back and he said, I think you're having hypoglycemia. And mm-hmm. I think it's making you feel terrible. And if you eat this way for, you know, consistently for eight or 10 weeks, I think all these symptoms are going to reverse out in the order that they came on. We did that. And I simply needed to be adding protein, higher protein every meal, every time I ate mm-hmm. that needed to come first. Really simple changes, but I just didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have the knowledge to know what was going on. But once I did that, he was exactly right. Like in four weeks, totally. all my symptoms were gone. No more headaches, no more tremors. Like all these things that had rocked my world for a year mm-hmm. were gone. Yes. It's huge. It makes, so, so that's for sure one piece of the puzzle, right? Like, you know, we have like all of these mindset things. And then the other piece is like, we actually do need information about nutrition and stuff as well. Yes. And so when people, when people talk about how we don't need you know, we, we just need to, you know, eat, eat intuitively. A lot of times people think, oh, that just means I'm, I'm going to eat whatever I want. Of course, the intuitive like specialists and stuff don't actually promote that, but that's right. what people think. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And so, yeah, so having that knowledge of nutrition is, is very, very important as well, because a lot of times we just don't know what, what is going to make us feel a certain way. And so that's where like the, um, you know, naturopaths and dietitians and all that come into play. And I've had awesome success with some of my clients who have gone to a dietitian and then I've worked with them to figure out how to actually implement a lot of the habits that, or, you know, the food patterns and all of Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, you know, they get the information from the dietitian. Of course, I help people with some, some of that too, but not you know, I don't give them plans. I don't tell them like you should be eating this kind of thing, just basics. 
but once they come back, then I'm like, okay, let's actually implement this stuff. And yeah. having that pairing is huge for people who are experiencing, um, you know, like uh, something health related or yeah, something they've got to figure out. For sure. mm-hmm. Well, and I think it just, you know, there one, what I want to say is I think there is no one size fits all solution, right. but you, you do have to combine the power of attention paying attention Mm. to what you're doing, what's working, what's not working, right? That power of observation and, and tracking it. And not everybody loves to track, but if you literally, you know, have an issue that you're working on that you've got to resolve, I think it's really important to measure it and to have some way of tracking results that will guide you to making better decisions. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And the other piece that I'll say here too, is like, is stress totally impacts all of it. And a lot of times we don't think that it does. (laughs) Yes. Or we're just Um, not aware that what we are experiencing is stress, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. Well, and that's actually an interesting point because sometimes I'll have clients who are like, I'm, you know, I'm working out every day, like doing intense exercise and stuff. And it's not really, it's, it's not helping me because we learn that exercise decreases stress. However, if we're doing really intense exercises every day and we're already in a state of fight or flight. It increases your cortisol. It increases it. Yes. yes. (laughs) So we are increasing, we're we're staying, we're not only staying in fight or flight, but it's actually, it's, it's a literal stress on our bodies. And so Mm. we then experience more stress. Uh, and so doing things that are more, uh, fluid, uh, you know, sort of more dancey type things, you guys can't Mm. see me, but I'm I'm dancing in my seat. <laughs> or even, or even walking, even gentle, slow totally. walking, right? Where it's restorative consistent. things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Totally. Now, this point is huge because I have learned this over the years as an adult, which is that we're fed this lie about needing to work <laughs> out intensely for long periods of time. The more, the better, you know, all of this kind of stuff on this track to new, you know, fitness or, mm-hmm. you know, health. And, and I think what science has shown us and especially the trends that we're seeing in more recent times is like, mm-hmm. you know, the high impact interval training for shorter periods of time where you have bursts of energy in your workout and your fitness can really promote that, um, the stress response or the, you know, the endurance, the rebuilding muscle tissue, but you don't need to do it for an hour. Right. Right. (laughs) You don't need to go do that every day or get on a treadmill and just be killing yourself to actually achieve the results that you want. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and again, it's, it's full engagement and then full recovery as well. And so we can, you know, our bodies can sustain some really intense exercise and it's like really cool. However, we have to also be doing things that recover us from that really intense exercise in order to keep it sustainable and not get injured or not get burnt out um, or anything like that, or not just get really, really stressed. Because, because again, it's, it's all about, uh, sort of like a pulsation of, you know, intensity versus recovery and rest and rejuvenation. And, and especially for people who are really high achieving, you know, who's, who've started their own business or who, um, are, you know, high up in their business or whatever for, for a lot of those people, um, they tend to push, push, push. And so that's a lot of times what I'm working on with, with my clients is, okay, you think that by pushing you're going to succeed, but that's not how it works here. (laughs) 
you know, it's not how it's going to work, you know, anywhere really, because if we push too hard, we'll burn out even in business or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, too. and I think especially on like, you know, my husband who's done some fitness things in the last year. And actually I joke, like he's living his best life during COVID and like my <laughs> personal, you know, my, my personal is self-care <laughs> is like way on the back burner. But, but I also like in watching some of his trainings with him, like I think sometimes the, the masculine approach to, yes. you know, working out and this concept of pushing and no pain, no gain, you know, I think it really does a disservice to this idea that, that our health and fitness and nutrition, I think we're better off if we can approach it as a journey, not a regimen and not mm-hmm. a short term solution, not a, like a one piece of the puzzle that's always going to fit, you know? And totally. I think it can be really hard to undo that, uh, that training or that wiring that I think is so often built in. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are some really, there's some really interesting research coming out about this now, because all of the, you know, health and wellness models that we've had, all of the research that we've done in the past has really been around the male body. And so like, that's the case for, you know, pharmaceuticals and, you know, anything in our healthcare system, basically until like the past couple of decades. Um, And even that's rare. The reason for that is because women's bodies are cyclical. And so they didn't want to deal with the fact that, you know, women could be on their periods or they could be, you know, ovulating or whatever. And that could impact the study. Well, we need to know that it's going to impact the study because we need to know how it's going to work for us. So now there's some research coming out about it, which is awesome. But there is that that model that we've all grown up with and that has been ingrained in us that is very masculine. It's in it's literally based on the male body. Mm-hmm. And so the female body needs to be working in cycles. Like we need to be doing different exercises at different times of the month. We need to be eating different things at different times of the month. And usually we don't, you know, we can have like a lot of information around what things we need to be doing at those times of the month. But we, if we are really tapped into our bodies, our bodies will also kind of show us what it is that we need to be doing. Our bodies will be a little bit more tired, you know, at, at different times of the month. And that's telling us that, okay, don't do a super intense Not time to push really hard. Yes. (laughs) Or, you know, um, it'll tell us, you know, we'll have cravings and, you know, that's a whole nother thing where if we can get really, um, really curious about our cravings and, and, you know, wondering like, okay, what is it that my body's actually wanting rather than just, just chocolate or just ice cream or whatever. Totally. Like, are you missing magnesium? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and those fluctuate throughout Mm -hmm. the month. And so we do, we need different things. Um, and so all of that being said is that when we do tap into our bodies more, our bodies will, uh, will help us (laughs) along the way to tell us what we actually need, which is really cool. Well, and it's, I love this approach. I mean, first of all, that it's really varied and there isn't one strict thing that we all should be doing. There's a, there's a guy in this space. Do you know, have you heard of Dr. Jade Tita? I'm not sure how you say his last name. Teta Tita, just T-E-T-A. You'd probably really, based on what I'm hearing, I think you'd really like his stuff because he is, he's very much 
a contrarian. Like he, he will just be like, that's BS. Don't follow anybody who says this is the only thing that's going to work for you and you have to do it this way. He's, you know, he said, every body is different. You have to approach it like an experiment. Here are the things that you should be paying attention to and measuring. And maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're having a craving for junk food or whatever, you should have a little bit because it's going to make you stay more on track throughout the day versus ignoring, ignoring it. Like he actually Mm -hmm. just totally believes in paying attention and the power of observation and just saying like, no, all junk food is Mm -hmm. not bad. If a little bit helps you stay on track the rest of the day so that you are more helpful, that could be a helpful strategy for you versus just total restraint where then you lose Mm -hmm. it and you fall off the wagon for a week, you know? And he said, everybody's different. And that's a huge mindset shift. Yeah. It's so for so many people that I work with, and this was absolutely the case for me, it was like, I was, it was very all or nothing. It was like, I am on it. I'm doing the thing, whatever. And then I would eat something or do something that was like, not on the plan. quote unquote. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I would be like, I ruined it all. I'm just going to eat everything and say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to sleep early. It's like a light switch. It's on or off. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'll just start tomorrow or I'll start on Monday or I'll start, Mm. you know, whenever. And then I'll finally be able to do it right. But that's not how behavior change works at all. And it's super, super detrimental, not only to, actually changing behaviors, but also to our physical and mental and emotional well-being. Yes. Well, and I think, you know, it's so interesting because I think so many people can relate to what you just said about like, Mm -hmm. it's all or nothing. I think we're partly trained that way. Like you're either on the plan doing all the things or you're not. And if you're not, you're failing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's part of diet culture. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, how do you get people to soften up around the edges on that and be more flexible with themselves? Hmm. Yeah. And just looking at everything as like, okay, you know, nothing is bad or good. Really. That's another thing that we, we assign morality. That's part of diet culture is like, we assign morality to certain foods, to certain amounts of foods, to, uh, you know, exercise or, you know, just living a healthy lifestyle. And, you know, I mean, like I tell my clients, like, if you're not living a healthy lifestyle, that does not mean that you're bad. <laughs> it doesn't, it has nothing to do with your worth at all whatsoever. And you can also do things that are ma- going to make you have a better experience in your life, better day-to-day, you know, mm-hmm. um, habits and, and a better lifestyle essentially. And so if we can take ourselves out of the morality piece uh, and not look at things as good or bad, but rather be like, what do I want to experience next? How do I want to feel next in my body? If I'm going to, if I eat this, my experiences in the past have told me that I'm going to feel this way. Do I want to feel that way? Is it worth it to feel that way right now? Do like, is it going to make me feel, um, you know, more energized or, you know, whatever it is. And then we can, with that curiosity of like, how has this, you know, impacted me in the past, then we can make those decisions without it being good or bad. (laughs) Yes. No, that's right. So back to the, and I just, I so enjoy his teaching, but it's, it's like this. How did, how did that choice that I just make 
influence me and how does it, you know, is it a choice I should continue to make? But understanding that relationship and getting curious about it, I think a lot of people have a hard time doing if they're just following somebody's rule book, you know, mm-hmm. and the, um, Jade, Jade Tita or Tata, however you say his last name, his rule for this is, it, it's a funny phrase. It's like, he, he says, is your schmeck in check? And schmeck stands for <laughs> Like, I think it's sleep, hunger, energy, um, hormones. Like he's got this whole, you know, Mm -hmm. whole little acronym, but, but it's really true. If, if you do something like you go to bed after midnight and you realize you feel terrible the next day versus going to sleep at nine or 10 and just waking up earlier, like that's a sleep issue. You've got to figure out to optimize your health. Not everybody you know, can go by the same rule book. Not everybody's are an early to bed person. Not everybody's an early to rise person. There is no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking at the fact that it's a complex picture with all these elements and being very curious about how they relate to each other, I think is mm-hmm. so powerful. Totally. Yeah. And so there are, there are definitely universal truths and we need to have some nuance to all of them. Right. Mm. And so that's, so that's what I do with my clients is I have a framework of the habits that we go into basically for everyone and refining those different habits and everything. But they have to, I help them figure out, you know, I don't tell them this is what's going to be right for you, but I help them with kind of uh, some structure and everything to figure out what is going to be the right thing for you Mm -hmm. at this stage of your life. Uh, You know, with this kind of schedule you have going on with how you're wanting to feel, what you're Mm -hmm. wanting to do, even the season of the year, that impacts us. And for women, the season, you know, the month, the um, time of the month and everything. So, uh, so yeah, so have like, there are universal truths that, you know, there are, there are things that are going to make us feel better and feel worse uh, for most, for pretty much everyone. And we need to tailor it to what it is that we actually need. (laughs) I love that. No, I love this idea of universal truth, but then having some flexibility within that. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you find, like, are there a couple of things that you can share that you find either most people get wrong or misunderstand or like, is there any myth busting you want to do that we haven't (laughs) talked about? out yet? Yeah, I think the biggest one is, um, is like the all or nothing tendency, the perfectionism Mm. of like, Mm. I just have to do it right. And then everything will be fine. Um, and then the other piece of that is that like, we're doing that because we want to feel better about ourselves. We feel like there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And so, a big piece of what I do with my clients is help them to realize that there's not actually something missing. We don't need to fix them. We just need to, you know, help them figure out like their own worth and also tweak some things in their behaviors and and that Mm. kind of thing in order for them to feel, you know, to actually feel the way that they want to feel like physically and that kind of thing. But, but there's not, nothing missing. There's nothing wrong with anyone. Yeah. And so that's another, that's a huge piece of, uh, you know, the, the wellness industry that I'm like, we need to not promote that anymore. I get that you're making a lot of money off of it, Yeah. <laughs> but, um, in order to actually make that real, um, and lasting change, 
we have to come from a place of like self-love, even mm. body love before we mm -hmm. get to the place that we want to be in our bodies or whatever. Um, we have to come from that place in order to make lasting and sustainable change for sure. Oh, I love that. Yes, the body love. I mean, I think that that could be a whole separate conversation just on its own. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> you know, and I know we're getting a little bit short on time here. But the other thing I wanted to ask is for people that are struggling with making that behavior change. So one, you know, yes, we need to figure out the body love piece and the self compassion and all of that. But what are some of the quick or easy tips that you give around how to successfully achieve behavior change, right? And you could maybe could just walk us through one or two examples. Yeah. So the first thing that I start with is, um, basically make it as easy as you possibly can. So start with like two minutes. Uh, you know, if you're like, I am super inconsistent with my, let's say like exercise with workouts in the, in the morning, you want to work, you want to, you know, be working out every day, which is fine. As long as you're, as long as you're, uh, doing some recovery workouts. Instead. They're not pushing <laughs> the whole time. The time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so start with two minutes. So the goal is not the workout, the like one-off workout. The, the goal is consistency. And the, the big, bigger goal is becoming the kind of person who works out every day. So mm -hmm. you have to pair that identity evolution with the habit change. So you have to think in your mind that you are the kind of person who works out every day. And in order to bolster that, basically, uh, we need to work out every day so that we become the kind of person who's working out every day. We need both of those pieces. So, because we can change our behavior, but if we don't change our identity, then it, we won't continue it long-term. We can also change our identity, but if we don't change the behavior, then we're, we feel like we're lying to ourselves. Yes. So we need both. Yeah. So we need to, we can start with two minutes and we can always build on from there. This is not tricking ourselves and being like, oh, I'll start with two minutes, but really I'm going to do an hour. <laughs> like that's not what, what I'm saying here. It's literally starting. I'm going to do jumping jacks and sit-ups and push-ups or something, whatever you want to do for those two minutes. And, you know, you can keep going if you want to, but sometimes I'll tell my clients like, don't like stop at two minutes so that you know that you're not lying to yourself. And then, then you can add on after you make those two minutes mm. consistent. <laughs> so that's the, that's the number one thing to start with. Um, that's kind of the easiest one <laughs> to start. Well, to I, I love that. First of all, the concept of identity evolution, I think is what mm -hmm. you called it. Yeah, really, really important that we are doing things aligned with our identity. And if we need to change it, like our identity needs to change as well, right. Mm -hmm. um, but also this concept of consistency, because I think it also can feel really futile to attempt something that's actually too high of a hurdle. Yes, you know, if your goal for yourself is five days a week, and you do it too, it still feels like you're failing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yes. So the consistency piece is so important. A lot of times, you know, people will be like, oh, I'm going to do this three days a week. Mm -hmm. And I always encourage people to, tr instead of, 
instead of that, how can we make it? So for example, like going to, going to bed, um, at a certain time, people will be like, I want to go to bed by 10 PM, three days a week. And I'm like, that's going to be so much harder than going to bed at 1130. If you're going to bed, like at midnight or one or whatever, mm-hmm. then going to bed at 1130 every night. And then we can actually, we can like build, you know, go backwards from there if you're wanting yes. to do that. Oh, um, you're speaking huge. my language right now. <laughs> I have had a, a year of late nights based on yes. trying to do what I want to do with kiddos and work. But yes, that feel like I would love to go to bed at 10, but is it reasonable? Probably not for me right, right now. But right. when you say that, like, oh, 1130 every night, I'm like, I could probably shoot for that. Like that's mm-hmm. probably something I could actually hit, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah I love that yeah. example. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hadley, so for for folks that are thinking like, oh my gosh, I need more of this. I need more education, <laughs> information, support, whatever. I mean, if you're like me, there's, you know, there's just not enough, um, meaning that more support is always welcome. Where mm-hmm. do you like for people to connect with you online? Yeah, so I'm mostly on Instagram and uh, a little bit on Facebook as well. But uh, I'm at both places. I'm happy, healthy Hadley. (laughs) Awesome. And just for people listening, that's Hadley with two E's. Yes. Yes. L-E-E instead of L-E-Y. So, um, and then my website is happyhealthyhadley.com. Made it easy on everyone. Love it. it all the same. Keep it consistent. That's perfect. (laughs) So if you're listening, you can grab those links to her social media. I'll share her website at legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast, where you can access the recording as well as the show notes. Hadley, I think you've got a gift with our audience. I mean, a gift for our audience, right? Would you like to talk about that for a minute? Yes. So we've talked a lot about behavior change and we've talked a lot about the mindset and, you know, different things that we need to change, shift around our mindset, around health and all that. And so I, I have this quiz that's actually going to help you figure out what habit might actually make the biggest difference for you in your life. Um, and so if you're wanting to figure out, okay, what's actually like, what do I need to do? because a lot of you are high achieving people who want to figure out what they need to do. Um, you can go, uh, to my website and, um, and take this quiz. And basically it'll just, it'll ask you a few questions to figure out what habit might be like the first step for you. Um, you know, all of the habits that I coach people in are important, but this is a good first, first step for sure. So I'll share that link as well at the show notes. So if you're looking for that quiz, I know I want to go take it to figure out where to start. (laughs) Um, I will put that link in the show notes. Again, legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast. And I think you, this is a crazy offer to me, but I think you were offering also maybe a session or something. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah. So I'm offering a 30 minute uh, free health goals session. Um, I love doing these because it helps people gain clarity around what they're actually wanting to experience in their lives next. Um, and, you know, starting to put together the pieces of like, what do I actually need to do in order to get there? Um, and so, you know, that's what I, that's what I love to help people do, obviously my clients and everything, but I'm well, offering that for you guys for free that's, as well. Yeah, that's amazing. If you're listening, you need to go run and not walk to that <laughs> offer because it's a free 30-minute session to help you get started on your goals, which just sounds phenomenally generous. 
Hadley, so fun to connect with you today. I know we just covered the tip of the iceberg, but I really <laughs> love this conversation. I think it's such an important one. There were so many gems. You know, I think the self-compassion is a huge one. Um, so many others. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here today. Thank you so much. Yes, it was so fun. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world, and we'll see you next week.